Now, as you were like, wait a minute, we're getting a double dose of this. That was for the men's devotional this morning. I apologize. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Hey, what about our awesome worship team? Amen. Give it up for them. So Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Say amen when you're there. And he entered and was passing through Jericho, talking about Jesus. The gospel of Luke, who is a physician, is talking about this for what it's worth in just a few pages. Jesus begins his journey to the cross. So this the story is relatively soon to the death of Jesus Christ. I'll tie all of that in, hopefully, in the coming moments. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. We're going to read just a little bit. I promise I'll let you sit down. And he entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. Here's the facts about Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, gatherer. This guy didn't have any friends. And he was what? Rich. Pretty cool. And he was trying to see who Jesus was. So he was a chief tax collector. Of all the tax collectors, he was the chief. And he was rich. And he was also short because it just tells us this in verse 3. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see who Jesus was. In verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up, you little man, and come on down, for today I must what? I must stay at your house. Everyone say, stay at your house. Let's stay at his house. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for worship. We've prayed a lot. We've done a lot today. None more important than this moment. We're leading into Thanksgiving next week. All this ties together. You've been setting us up for something great. May we not miss that. I pray for all those within the sound of my voice today. Maybe for those that will listen to this podcast in weeks to come that aren't here, that they would hear the same thing that we're hearing today. Revelation says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And I pray that, including myself, we would hear what the Spirit is saying about us. And God's people said, amen, so be it. As customary, give the Lord a praise as you're seated one more time in his place. Hey, listen, we should never get tired or old of giving God praise. Amen? Praise God. The Cowboys have a bye week, so we don't need to pray for them. Well, we still actually do need to pray for them. But... <laughs> But in all seriousness, uh, I'm not going to preach longer because of that. So, and everybody can say amen to that. Now, I had you seated, but please, let's continue to read together. Verse 6, and he hurried and came down and received him gladly. Zacchaeus came down quickly. By the way, when Jesus talks to you, you should move quickly. Amen? There's a story right there in and of itself. He didn't just say, oh, nonchalantly, hey, it's Jesus. I'm going to hang out in the sycamore tree. Uh, no, he came down in a hurry because it was Jesus. And when Jesus talks, uh, even E.F. Hutton listens. Amen. So there's a whole generation that gets it and a whole generation that doesn't. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble. I love this part of the story. And when they saw this happening, they began to grumble. They didn't grumble because Jesus was walking by because there was a massive crowd. The crowd was so big, this short dude was not going to be able to see it. It's like there are a bunch of Pastor Camerons. Pastor Cameron, will you come and join me on the stage? This is why God brought you to Crossroads right here for, for today. This is what, this is what was happening. Stay, stay right there. I'm Zacchaeus. There's a bunch of guys like this around. 
And he wants to see Jesus because he can't. Because he's got a crowd of tall people. <laughs> Give Pastor Cameron a big hand. Thank you. Oh, you want a picture? Come back, come back, come back. She wants a picture. Come back, she wants a picture. It's your wife, dude. You can't say no. <laughs> All right, thank you. So there was a crowd of people. Listen to me, church. Don't, don't miss this. We're going to keep reading together. But this is so important. I've got to stop that you hear this and that you understand this. Because a crowd is there. As typical with Jesus and his fame, right, the, the more he did, the, the, the more extravagant his miracles became, the bigger the crowds got. And, and, and we all know, just like in pop culture today, some people follow you just because you're popular. And, and the minute you, you lose fame, your followers leave you. They just do, right? I mean, we see it in pop culture, on, on Instagram, and social media, and Flickr, and, and Path, and oh my goodness, there's like a social media for everything now. And, um, and we see this in news and, and in pop culture, right? We have a pop star or a movie star rise to fame. And before you know it, you, you think to yourself, I haven't seen that guy in a movie in 20 years. 20 years ago, he had a ton of followers, right? Now, for those my age in their late 30s, uh, in their late 30s, you know, I think back to like Saved by the Bell, uh, Gilligan's Island, uh, The A-Team. B.J. McKay and my best friend Bear, uh, <laughs> Dukes of Hazard. Come on, Rednecks. Uh, okay, Dukes of Hazard. Um, oh man, Beverly Hillbillies. I know that was an older show, but you know, I used to rerun that. Um, I used to watch that. The Monkeys. Hey, hey, we're the Monkeys. The people say we monkey around, but we're too busy singing. Put anybody down. How many remember that? Hey, hey, with a mo- okay, and um, all the other ones. Let's see. Uh, it is, I'm dating myself, huh? Um, so, YouTube it, all you younger childrens. You can YouTube that stuff. Well, let me get back to the scripture, actually. So, we were in verse six. There was a crowd there. People wanted to see Jesus. He was popular. Now, I'm not diminishing his followers. There were in this crowd some real devoted Christ followers. Sadly to say, for what this is worth to all the men that were in our men's breakfast this morning, but honestly, when, it, when, when push came to shove, it was, it was Mary and Martha that went to the grave of Jesus. There were no other guys to be found. I mean, the disciples went, <laughs> he's on the cross. Holy cow, we're next. We're out of here. And, and, but two women sucked it up, braved it, and it was dangerous, and they went to find their Lord and Savior and give him a proper burial. So there's this crowd, and there's Christ followers. Some of them are there because, oh, it's Jesus. Oh, my goodness, he's a rock star. Jesus, sign my robe. Sign my sandal, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, sign my sandal. That's awesome. He signed my headband, whatever they were wearing. Sign my head wrap. Jesus, oh, look, man, he signed my arm. Check that out with charcoal and blood, whatever. And there were people that were following Jesus because it was, it was cool, it was hip. Man, Jesus was a crowd. You wanted to be on his coattails. We know there was a crowd. There's many, many stories that illustrate the crowd of, that Jesus followed. In fact, believe it or not, there's a story right before this that we are going to talk about because it's important to what is happening to Zacchaeus in this moment. Now, listen, all of this is to set us up for what's happening next week. Because next week, not only is the main crowd in here going to go sign up to bring some kind of 
big starchy food that's going to put us all to sleep after the message. By the way, I'm smart enough to not let us eat during the message because everybody will be, and it wouldn't be the power of God that knocked you out. It would be all the turkey and dressing and potatoes and sweet potatoes and marshmallows on potatoes and all that good stuff. So we're going to sign out to bring something and bless our guests that come next Sunday. Remember last year we talked about this, all the conversations we need to have at the table. Jesus is making his path to Jerusalem. He's got to go through Jericho because there's two men that he has a destiny with, one of them being Zacchaeus, the other one is blind Bartimaeus. And he and on his way into Jericho, if you read the chapter before, blind Bartimaeus, we're not going to read it together, but blind Bartimaeus is there and he's trying to get to Jesus. And as Jesus is passing by, he calls out and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's, he's actually screaming this. And Jesus stopped and, and, and he says, Lord, I want to regain my sight. The, the Bible tells us so in this story that there are people that are telling him, shut up. Be quiet, blind Bartimaeus. He's blind. Kicking. Who is it kicking me? I mean, he was blind. He was screaming out. He heard it was Jesus. He screamed out. Listen to my heart, church. What I'm telling you in all this is the same way that blind Bartimaeus found opposition when he decided to get close to Jesus, Zacchaeus did the same thing. The moment, the moment, the instant that Zacchaeus decides to come out of the tree and meet Jesus finally for the first time ever face to face, the crowd began to grumble. Isn't it amazing the moment you decide, you get up from an altar one Sunday and you say, God, I resolve today to get my rear in gear and follow you again. And you don't, there's no sooner you go out to your car and the grumbling starts. Now, if you're sitting next to your spouse, don't say amen to that, please. Because you're going to think, you're going to get me in trouble like I'm telling you that's them. Maybe it is them. Don't raise your hand or say amen still. Just stay where you are. But in all seriousness, church, when you decide to follow Jesus Christ, the grumbling starts. Oh, Zacchaeus, unbelievable. He's a tax collector. This is insane. He's a tax collector. He's following Jesus. Now he wants to come and talk. Who is this sinner that thinks he has the right? We're disciples, man. We've been following Jesus. This is unbelievable. I can't believe it, these sinners. I can't believe these sinners. Golly, these sinners come into, these sinners come into, pick that up as well. These sinners come into, these sinners come in. Hey, there's been worse poured on this than anointing oil on this carpet. These sinners, I'm going to see if they'll keep doing this. <laughs> these sinners coming out of their tree, who do these sinners think they are? These sinners want to follow Jesus. Unbelievable. Zacchaeus, he's a, he's a chief tax collector. He takes our money, and, and now he's going to follow Jesus. Unbelievable. Who does this guy think he is? And the grumbling starts the minute you and I decide to follow Jesus. The grumbling starts. Look at your neighbors and say, watch out for the grumblers. Mm -hmm. You know what? When you start following Jesus, you start hearing the rumble of the grumble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ali heard the rumble of the jungle. But I'm talking about the rumble of the grumble. Somebody should write that down. Hashtag it. Social media, the rumble of the grumble. Look at your neighbor and say, look out for the rumble of the grumble. 
the rumble of the grumble. The minute that you decide to start following Jesus, the grumbling will start. Come on, somebody. I mean, know what I'm talking about today. Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a woman of God. Teenagers, you decide, God, I'm going to give my life to you. These first years of my life, I'm going to devote them to you. I'm going to honor you with these years in high school and junior high. And, and the minute you decide to do that, man, Monday you walk into school and you start hearing, teenagers, the rumble of the grumble. Church, can I encourage you today? That's when you know that you're on the right path. Come on, somebody. When you hear the rumble of the grumble, that just lets you know. I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. I'm listening to the right voice. Give God a praise in this place. And so he hurried down. He moved quickly. And, and the Bible says he received him gladly. He received him as someone who has received a prize is, what the, is, is the way this is really interpreted in the Greek He received him in a way as someone who just won, if you could think, like the lottery. That's how the Bible says he received it. We picture in our mind this guy who's all well-to-do, in which he is. He's, He's the chief tax collector, not just a tax collector like Matthew was. He was Matthew's boss. He was the chief tax collector. He was, he was... Of all the tax collectors, he was the chief tax collector in, in his province, in his area. So he was rich, duh. <laughs> and so he's a chief tax collector. He's got it all together. He puts himself in order. And this guy who has, has everything going for him, can get into front of any line, can get anywhere he needs to go, decides that he's going to run ahead of the crowd because he knows who he is in this society. And he doesn't want his friends or his neighbors or his relatives or the other tax collectors. He doesn't want his employees seeing him being undignified. So while their backs are turned and their attention is on Jesus, he runs ahead of the crowd, as the Bible says. And he goes into a sycamore tree. And the first time I read this just, for, you know, to study for this sermon, when I read that, I was like, why is sycamore tree in here? Why would, that's interesting. Why can't it just be a tree? Why can't it just be a tree? Why can't he just run into some tree? There's olive trees all over this, this part of the, this, this land. And why can't he run into an olive tree? But the Bible says that he runs into a sycamore tree. Now, it's not sycamore trees like we have here in America, although they probably have some similarities. But this type of similar tree grows very, very tall, can grow up to 80 to 100 feet tall in its full maturity, very, very broad leaves and branches that hang very, very low. So this guy who is smart, I mean, you don't get to this place by being your everyday average Joe. I got a couple of Joes in here, forgive me. So you don't get this way. Listen to me, church. You don't get this to this place being a chief tax collector, not having your stuff in order. And this guy had everything going for him. He's a chief tax collector, well put together, had friends. He was rich. Yeah, he was short. But, you know, when you got money, it doesn't matter. You can hire people to walk around on their shoulders, right? So, but he was short, the Bible tells us, because it matters in this story. And, and hear my heart, church. And so he runs ahead of the crowd. He doesn't want any of them to see him climb into a tree. I mean, after all, you do that when you're kids. No adult who's dressed up in their finest tunic goes climbing in a tree, let alone being the chief tax collector and being rich. 
that would be something somebody else would do, not not Zacchaeus. We would never see Zacchaeus in a tree, but but even though he doesn't know it yet and that Jesus is going to come to his house, when the Holy Spirit starts drawing us, we find ourselves doing things that we wouldn't normally do. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit has a way of hooking us. He hooks us in our seats when the pastor is preaching, say amen. And he hooks us, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. Is God talking to me? What is what do I have to do with this story? And before you know it, the Holy Spirit, he hooks you and he starts tugging at you. He starts tugging at you, doesn't he, church? He tugs at me. He's tugging at me right now. And he starts tugging at us and tugging at us. We start nudging. Why do I feel a compulsion to come up there later and pray at the altar? Why do I feel all of a sudden some kind of remorse for something that I did this week? I didn't feel it earlier, but all of a sudden God brings us in his presence and things begin to change in our lives. So here's Zacchaeus. He runs ahead, climbs this tree. How many climbed trees when they were kids? Anybody? Yeah, this has to be ashamed about. And if I thought I could get a leg in a tree, I would. I guarantee if I could get one leg in there, I think I could climb it. But that the problem, though, was getting the leg in the tree and then getting back out, right? And so you'd be like a cat, and they'd be calling the fire department, and you'll be on the news, and then they'd be like, hey, there's a cat. No, it's a, wait a minute, it's a grown man in the tree. Pretty good idea, dude. Let's stop the car. Let's go in that guy's yard and climb that tree. That sounds like a great idea. No, let's not do that. We were at the Grand Canyon this summer. And boy, when you get up into the mountains of Arizona, there's some trees that'll swallow you. Hey, let's climb this tree in this national park. Nope, there's a sign that says we can't do that. That's a bad idea. We shouldn't climb that tree. We're going to get kicked out of this national park. So climbing a tree is fun, isn't it? I bet you Zacchaeus climbed this sycamore tree at some point when he was a kid. I, he's he's got to have climbed this tree before because... Kids naturally are attracted to climbing trees. You did it. I did it. You raised your hand. If you haven't climbed a tree, you need to find a tree to climb in Jesus' name. That, I know there's nothing spiritual about that, but it'll release your soul. And you can become one with nature. And so, go climb a tree. And, and so, Zacchaeus, I, I'm filling in the blanks here, but hear my heart, church. I'm just wondering if at some point in his life, if he lived in Jericho before, if when he was a kid, because these trees are old and big and live a long time, this tree was most likely older than him. It was big enough to at least hide him from the crowd, not from Jesus. You're not going to hide from Jesus, come on. But you can hide from a crowd, amen? And so I'm wondering if at some point in his younger life, he didn't climb this tree, and then we fast forward 20, 30 years later, and here he is in this same tree. This time, he's hiding from something completely different. He's hiding from the Lord. Not because he's afraid of Jesus. Not because Jesus is mm, fee fi fo fum, you know. It's none of that. It's just to catch a glimpse. All he wanted to do was see Jesus. He felt that if he laid eyes on Jesus, that would be enough for him. But Jesus had different plans, didn't he, this day? And so Jesus invites himself over... He, he comes to Zacchaeus, and, and what does the scripture say? It says, uh, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay 
at your house. And so he hurried and he came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, this is the crowd, this is the disciples, this is they is everybody. Who is they? It's everybody. It's your neighbors, it's your mom, it's your dad, it's your brother, it's your sister, it's your coworker, it's your boss, it's social media, it's whoever is they. Right? Watch out for the rumble of the grumble. And they saw it. And they all began to grumble, and this is what they said. He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Unbelievable. This Jesus guy, this Zacchaeus guy, unbelievable. A, a match made in two peas in a pot. A match made in heaven. Look at him. He's going to be the guest of a sinner. What is wrong with this guy? Well, if the crowd had really followed Jesus, they would know that this was a pattern that Jesus had. Jesus had an issue with going to houses of sinners, dining with them, hanging out with them. Church, I'm asking you to bring some sinners to your table next week. Amen? If all we ever do is have dinner with saved people, when do the unsaved people get to hear about Jesus? I'm, I'm 100% serious in that statement. We need to be having some meals with people who are in the same place as life as we are. Maybe, maybe raising kids like you are. Maybe a family that goes to your school. You say, oh, we, we'd love to have you over for dinner. Let's just talk about life. And before you know it, you get to introduce Jesus to them. And how you raise your kids. And how you're able to get through life. And how you're able to pay your bills. And how you're able to have some peace and hope in this crazy world. Are you with me today, church? And so Jesus had this knack for finding sinners and eating with them. There's something beautiful and powerful about food in Jesus. I mean, it's so powerful that Jesus actually had a last supper. It wasn't really his, his last supper before his mortal body. He ate, again, with the disciples after his resurrection. He cooked fish for them. But anyway, Jesus was into fish fries and all kinds of things. Are you with me today, church? All right. So, so Jesus shows us that meals are very, very important to what can happen in relationships in life. I mean, I, I don't want you to raise your hand or answer this out loud, but I do want you to think about this. When was the last time that you as a family sat down without the TV on or iPads and iPhones and electronics and just sat down with the meal? You know, we did this last night. We, we, turned, we turned off all the other stuff and we, we turned on some Christmas music and, and, you know, we tied our kids down to the chair. <laughs> Oh, you can act like you don't do that in your house. I'm sorry, y'all's house is perfect. Your kids just follow your every command. I don't think so. I've seen them at church. Uh, hung out with some of them at Warrior Weekend. Uh, by the way, do we have those Warrior Weekend pictures? Let's, let's show those. I, I, I got to take a pause for the cause. This is very important. This is very important. One, my team won. Um, but I, not that that's that important. But, but here's some pictures. Uh, you know what we did with these boys this weekend? We taught them manly stuff, how to light fires. Yeah, how to tie knots, how to throw a hatchet, which was pretty awesome. We got one kid in this church, threw the hatchet, hit the mark three times. I was like, dude, when the zombie apocalypse hits, uh, you're coming to my house. Yeah, we threw hatchets, set up a tent, made a fire, showed them how to strike flint and fire. Stuff that boys should do. You know what I mean? Let's stop emasculating our boys all the time. Amen? Like, let's let boys be men sometimes. Amen? You know, let's, let's, let's teach them how to do manly stuff. Manly stuff. And so we did it. We didn't shower. We didn't brush our teeth. I'm sorry, parents, they came home smelling not atrocious. When Harrison and I walked into our house, we smelled terrible. All right. 
we can be done with the pictures. And so we shared meals together, which consisted of hot dogs and marshmallows and chocolate and some other stuff. <laughs> I'm not for sure it was food. And so Zacchaeus stopped because he heard the crowd say, he's going to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save the lost, right? To seek and to save that which was lost. All right, church, we're going to wrap it up with this. Think about this. First of all, Jesus is that guy. And we want to say Jesus is that guy. And what do I mean by that? That guy that invites himself over to your house. Jesus is that guy. He's that friend. He didn't ask for permission. Hey, Zacchaeus, could I come to your house and hang out with you for a little bit and meet your wife and just talk with your kids? No, he just said, hey, come on down, dude. I'm coming to your house. I mean, it's the Lord. What are you going to do? Say, uh, you know, it's not a good time, Jesus. Uh, you know, the wife, she gets a little cranky. You know, the house is crazy. You know, God, if, if I bring people over with unannounced and she hasn't had a time to clean, it's going to be both our heads. You know, I mean, I don't think you know my wife. And then, of course, Jesus is like, I do actually know who your wife is. I know who your kids are. Right. But Jesus invites himself over to his house. Jesus is that guy. He's like, hey, I'm going to show up. Hello, hope you have something ready for me. And he says, today salvation has come to your house. I told you I would talk about blind Bartimaeus simply in this way. The story of blind Bartimaeus is this. Blind Bartimaeus was actually blind. He could not see. He couldn't see. He was blind, physically blind. Jesus is coming into Jericho. Outside of the gates is a blind man who can't see physically. That's typically where they regulated anyone that had any type of physical irregularity about them being different. They push them outside the gate. Certainly lepers were a part of those guys being pushed outside of the city gates. He couldn't really work for himself, so he had to ask for money. And so Jesus comes walking by, right? I told you, he shouts, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd's like, hey, shut up, be quiet. But he shouts even more. And so Jesus stops and gives him his sight. Jesus comes into the city, finds a guy who can see perfectly physically, but the guy is blind spiritually. And outside of the gates, he touches the guy who's blind physically, comes inside the gate, touches the guy who is blind spiritually. And then, then we still have this matter of the tree to just to, just to bookend this, that a few days later, Jesus would be going to a cross. Here we have Zacchaeus, a man who, like us, does not deserve grace, coming out of a tree. And in a few days later, Jesus would take the sins of the world back up on a tree. Come on, somebody. Jesus says, down from there. This is what Jesus was saying. Zacchaeus, I'm about to climb a tree for you. You're up in a tree hiding because you don't think you're worthy and you think you're a sinner and everyone's just going to, you can't, you can't have grace. And Jesus says, come down from that spot because that's my spot. 
I belong on the tree, Zacchaeus. I'm going to climb a tree for you. Do you see what's happening here, church? Zacchaeus climbed up where we would climb up to hide from everybody because we're, we're afraid, not of Jesus, but we're afraid of our sins. We're afraid of the things we've done. But, but Jesus says, I'm going to climb up the tree for you. You're climbing down. I'm climbing up the tree. And so Jesus did just that. He climbed on a tree, on a wooden cross for us, gave his life for us. Amen? How many are grateful for that? Can we, can, is that worthy of a standing ovation right now? Is that worthy of a standing ovation that Jesus climbed on a wooden cross for you? Absolutely. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Next week, we're going to be inviting a bunch of people. And I'll be wrapping up this series just talking about the things that we need to be talking about this Thanksgiving and this Christmas. Not the holiday seasons. I'm sorry. It's Thanksgiving and it's Christmas. Amen? I hate to be all like, oh, I'm right religious. But, you know, it, it just it is what it is. Let's call it Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so this Thanksgiving and Christmas, next Sunday, for your guests that come, we'll have worship. My conversation will be, hey, these are some of the things that we need to be talking about with our friends and family during this time of the year, during Thanksgiving and Christmas at the table. We're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about family. We'll talk about football. But ultimately, we need to be talking about what this is all about. How can we gather together as believers and dance around the very thing that this is all about? And that's Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this moment. And it's been beautiful, and it's been holy. And I pray that I've said everything that you've, you've put on my plate to say, and, and yet I haven't. There's so many things, but we, we've got to go. Got to give us this moment. I'm going to ask our elders to join me at the front. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. God, I just thank you for all that you've done, all that you're about to do. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Matt, I am kind of overcome. I'm overwhelmed right now with the realization that, that I got to climb out of a tree so that Jesus could climb up one to take his life from me. I want to surrender my life. I want to surrender my heart and my soul. Maybe there's a couple in here. It's not your heart or your soul that you need to surrender. It's your marriage that you need to surrender. Maybe you're here today and you've gotten out of your lane. You've chosen to get in another lane, go a different direction. You say, Pastor Matt, I need to get back in my lane. I could go on here. There's many reasons I think many of you are going to respond. But you're saying in this moment, Pastor Matt, I want you to remember me in prayer. I, I, I see now that I am Zacchaeus. That's me. That's me. That's me. I'm trying to hide from the things of life, the cares of this world, the people that are closest to me. And, and here you are saying, come out of the tree so that we can be together. Come out from hiding. Come out from closed doors so that we can, so that we can be together. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, I want to have dinner with you. You know, at the, at the end of the age, the Bible says, meaning after the rapture and those things, there's going to be a real, the Bible says, a real supper where the bride of Christ, that's us, and him, we actually have a meal together in heaven. 
That's really going to happen. This is kind of a prelude to that. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, you raise your hand and say, Pastor Matt, I need it. I want you to remember me in prayer. There's, I've got to get some things. Thank you.